Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Monday. It is Monday, May 9th. I hope everybody had a, a very nice uh, Mother's Day weekend. As we head into the markets, Friday was uh, a bummer day. Uh, and it does not look like right now, anyway, that Monday is going to be any better as we continue to see red ink across the board. We'll talk about that and more when Dave joins us here in just a few moments. But before he does, let me just remind you that there's a lot of things in this world that we can control, but there's a lot of stuff we cannot control, like what happens in the marketplace. We don't can't control the ups and downs of the market, but you can control how you handle that risk. And if you don't know how much risk you have in your current portfolio, how can you make sure it really matches up with the amount of risk you can handle or the amount of risk you really need going forward? Give us a call at 863. 382-0037 to schedule your core retirement design. That's 863-382-0037. With that, we've got Dave coming up next. 105.7 Light FM, Counting Crows. There it is. Uh, big yellow taxi. I'm counting red ink, and I don't want to do it by myself. So it is time to check in on your money. And we have somebody on the phone to help me count the red ink, which he's not looking forward to either. Philip Statler on the line. Philip, good morning. I hope you had a good weekend. Good morning. Hey, I did. I hope everybody out there had a happy Mother's Day. And uh, But uh, I got to tell you, Dave, I was hoping, I was hoping really good that uh, Monday would be different than Friday, but we continue to see red ink uh, that uh, has overflowed the weekend and is back here Monday morning, bright and early. Yep. On Friday, I actually got a little bit of optimism because the Dow was only, repeat, only down 99 points. S&P was only, repeat, only down 23 and a half. NASDAQ still continued to plummet down 173 points on Friday. But compared to the day before, that was actually a breather day. I was kind of hoping that meant we might be finally leveling off on the sell-off. And Looking early this morning, it uh, appears that it's not going to happen. I had some fun when we first got on the phone before we went on the air this morning. Isn't it nice to know the Federal Reserve has learned a new word? We used to call inflation transitory. The new word for inflation is entrenched. Thus saith the Federal Reserve. Are you happy to know they have a new word? Uh, I'm happy to know that, that they finally got the hint that inflation is not uh, going to just come and go, but it's here to stay a while. Uh, yeah, and I think that's becoming painfully obvious, and it's going to get even more painful when we get the uh, the consumer price index, consumer inflation number out. I think on Wednesday morning we're due to get that for the April inflation rate. Uh, I keep hearing some things, uh, some of my tip sheets are saying they figure that means inflation is going to level out, and they're expecting it to be a little bit more level. But, geez, lucky us. Let's just stick with 8.5% inflation and endure the pain, right? Exactly. You know, we continue to, to get hammered, and prices continue to go up. I mean, I think I saw the gas prices at like almost 420 a gallon. It's like, oh, my goodness. I wasn't enjoying my cat food errand over the weekend either. Now that they finally have cat food back, the price is about half again as much as it used to be. I ran up a $100 grocery bill on Sunday, and about $55 of it was cat food. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Things my are goodness. Not, 
Things are not looking better. I uh, was sharing with you that I found a, a chart in one of my tip sheets uh, while I was uh, preparing this little endeavor this morning. The inflation rate since 1970. Now, everybody remembers the 1970s. We had an inflation issue. As a matter of fact, it spiked up about uh, 12% in 1975. Then the Federal Reserve raised interest rates and went back down to 6 That didn't do the trick. It went up to 14% in 1980. That was what cost Jimmy Carter his job and got us Ronald Reagan, who uh, proceeded to raise interest rates, tighten the money supply, gave us a short but nevertheless very deep recession. And since we had that dose of castor oil, uh, inflation for the last 40-odd years has been down between 2 and 4% until the last, uh, oh, let's say 12 months. My desperate fear is it's going to take another two recessions in order to get us out of this cycle, and I'm hoping to heck I'm wrong on that. Well, I, yeah, that would be nice uh, that it is. I was looking at uh, Biden's uh, um, uh, his percentage of approval rating, and uh, among small businesses, it's dropped significantly since the last quarter. So we, we continue to see how's he going to deal with it. And, and he is, let's face it, he's probably early enough in his pre, uh, presidency that if, if he can get it dealt with before the end of this year, then he'd have two good years. But that's, uh, that's if he can get it dealt with and, and we get things turned around. If not, uh, he may be like Carter. Uh, there's a distinct possibility of that happening. It doesn't bode well for his political future. The other, the other alternative, though, is to be like Clinton. After he got his clock cleaned in the midterm elections in his first term, President Clinton found that legendary third way and actually had what, by most accounts, was a relatively successful presidency. If Biden responds that way, it might very well happen. But the bottom line is he's got to get a handle on inflation. And, you know, while I morally I got no objection to the concept of discussing some sort of an adjustment on student loan debt, uh, I don't necessarily favor blanket erasing them, but, you know, okay, I can understand some adjustment. This just doesn't strike me as the time to pour more loose money into the economy while we're trying to fight inflation. So far, these guys in Washington just don't get it yet. No, they, they really don't. And uh, I think that um, the path we're on is definitely not going to be the path that gets us out of uh, any kind of inflationary period. Uh, you know, that I think the Fed's, um, behind the eight ball. And so that means that uh, we're behind the eight ball. And I'm not so sure how that's going to really shake out when we start looking at um, trying to recover. We're not even at that stage to recover yet. We got to go through this painful um, downward movement and the market continues to move that direction. Uh, I was looking at an article based on uh, 140 years, looking at the last 19 bear markets. Um, and so it gave some indication of what it was going to take and how long the average bear market lasts. And it's not quite a year. Um, it's like 289 days is the average bear market. So, uh, you know, we're, and we're not there yet. Well, I say that the NASDAQ's there, but uh, the other two indexes are not there. So the question is, are we going to throw the other two indexes into a bear market? And what does that look like? And how's that going to really drive or help? from the inflation standpoint. 
And it's darn well certain that looking at the way the NASDAQ appears to be leading us into a bear market, that's the direction where the other major indexes are going. Uh, you, you were alluding to the Fed being behind the eight ball. Even more graphic than that, the Fed is finding itself fighting Congress because the reaction for our current Congress and our administration right now is let's cough up more federal aid to make this inflation easier for consumers to cope with. And while that's got a lot of political appeal and it's, you know, the heart is in the right place. The last thing in the world right now that the economy needs is more federal spending going into the economy. Even though it hurts, the bottom line is we've got too much money chasing too few goods at the moment, and that's giving us inflation. That's absolutely right. And let's face it, the, the reason Congress wants it to ease off is not economic, it's political. They want to get reelected. And that's the and that's the, the twist there. You know, and so, uh, again, I, I said last time that uh, it, when when Trump and, and uh, Hillary Clinton ran, uh, I said, if the, the right president, if he did really and truly what we need them to do, they'd be a one term president for other reasons than Trump's. But, you know, they would raise taxes, they would drive inflation down, but they would also increase interest rates in order to stave off a recession like it looks like we're kind of heading into now. And regardless of which side of the political fence that you're on, give Reagan credit for having the brains to get it over with quick in his first year in office and then let the growth continue because that saved his reelection because he was about as unpopular as flatulence in church for that first year and a half as we went through a really deep recession. But we flushed inflation down the commode at the same time. And by the time he was up for reelection in 84, things were looking pretty good. And that really is, whether we like to admit it or not, and unpleasant as it is, something we're going to have to go through, flush the inflation one way or the other, and hopefully without a deep recession. That's right. And that's that's going to be the key. Can we do that? And how do we do it? And is the Fed going to help or hinder? And will Congress help the Fed or just make it harder for the Fed? Both sides of the coin got to respond. Both fiscal and monetary policy got to participate. Yeah, that's right. It does take both. One One side can't do it by themselves. Absolutely. Are we really sounding pessimistic this morning? Or <laughs> Unfortunately, not, I think there's not there's not much optimism out there other than we'll get through it. I fear you're right. Yeah, not a lot going on economically, Dave. You can't tell when Philip and I are ruminating at the beginning of a week. That means there's not a lot of government reports. It's Monday. We're going to find out about wholesale inventories later on today, which probably won't move the market much. Wholesale trade sales, ditto, not a whole lot. Otherwise, we're pretty much trading on the stocks that we're trading on the markets and expectations as far as what's going to happen to the economy. We're kind of talking about the expectations. Is there any good news to be had on the quarterly reports you got this morning? And we do actually have a couple with some good news that's driving their stock prices up. Um, uh, Cody reported their quarterly earnings at three cents a share. That was a penny better than expected. Revenue was ahead of forecast as well. The cosmetics company even came out and raised their full year outlook on strong what? demand. So, yeah, um, we haven't seen that a whole lot here lately. Uh, but they're uh, they're trading up uh, $2.8%, almost 2.9%. Now, let's face it, they are a, a low-priced stock. They closed Friday at $7.28. Right now, they'd open at $7.49. But, uh, but still, doing doing okay there. We're expecting fair skies, a smooth flight, and about a 85%. Sorry about that. I That's bumped right. the keyboard. <laughs> I, I thought, oh, I'm in an airplane. Uh, so, uh, 
to come, right? <laughs> so we've got uh, Energizer Battery. Uh, they beat by nine cents. The share came in at 47 cents. Revenue top forecast as well. Uh, they've been able to raise their prices. And uh, I think with hurricane season coming up here, there'll be uh, a lot of people buying Energizer batteries for sure. Uh, so we continue to watch them. Their stock price is up 3.9%, a nice little bump for them. Then I have uh, Tyson Foods. Uh, they, I think they're uh, going. they are. They had a good, uh, a good quarter. They beat on both the top and bottom line. Um, pretty good. They uh, Tyson Foods is up 2.4% this morning. Let's see what else do I have on the winning front. I have one more winner before I get you to the losers. Um, okay. Biotech. Biotech, you know, they, uh, they're the ones that helped develop uh, the, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine. And mm-hmm. they, uh, they blew it out of the water. They had a great uh, first quarter. Uh, I mean, just uh, tremendously, and and their outlook is good for the vaccine, they say, up 1.3% this morning, and I got to end with some bad news, right? So we got uh, a company called uh, Planetar Technologies. Now, they're a software company, an analytics software company, and they they reported a a $0.02 per share profit. They were expected to make $0.04 a share. Revenue was higher than expected. But they say that they've got some slower growth coming. And so they are taking a big hit this morning, down almost 15%. Uh, a new 52-week low at $8.07 a share right now. Well, poop, resetting the table for the morning. Modest losses was kind of the tail of the tape on Friday on all three of the major indexes. Modest being 1.4% down on NASDAQ actually sounds modest by the last few weeks' standards. 45 minutes before we open this morning, Philip, we've been kind of alluding to it. It looks like the stinking thinking is back, doesn't it? It does, David. Here's the deal. I can't find anything green on my page except for the S&P 500 VIX, which measures the volatility, right? It's up almost 5% this morning. So let's just lay it all out there for you. The Dow 30 is down 1.1%. The S&P 500 is down 1.4%. The NASDAQ 100 is down 1.8% this morning. And let's just throw in the Russell 2000 taking a, a hit this morning down 1.3%. So nothing there uh, to make your day. And then I flip over to the other side of the coin, silver just getting uh, pummeled. It's down to $21.84 an ounce. That's down 2.3%. Gold's down almost 1%, and crude oil, which is the only one we'd like to be down, not down enough, down 2.4% to 107.14 per barrel of oil. Which kind of reminds me about where we were on Friday, so that's not even much of an improvement, is it? Nope, not, not at all. <laughs> we can't win. Asian rim markets almost universally were off, mostly off of our general crummy mood and our investors, except for mainland China, Government must have told people to buy something because they were up fractionally. Europe is down precipitously, as a matter of fact, over 2% on most of their indexes halfway through their day in the European community, too. Getting some stability out of my retirement fund during times like this is really a son of a gun. Got to figure out how to get the risk out in order to get some stability and plan my retirement effectively, Philip. How do I find you to do that? 
You know, Dave, that's right. That's why we developed our core retirement design to help people design the retirement they always dreamed of to make sure that the risk they have lines up with the risk they really need in their current portfolio. Give us a call at 863-382-0037 to schedule your core retirement design. And then catch us this weekend for the Statler Financial Radio Show, 6 a.m. and noon on Saturday, 10 a.m. Sunday morning on Highlands News Talk, 730 and 95.3 FM. And back here again tomorrow morning about the same time. Philip, thank you so much. We'll catch you then, all right? All right, man. You have a great day. I appreciate you. It's 105.7 Light FM and Statler Financial Services. Philip Statler. Now hey, folks, again, I want to thank you for joining us today. Remember, the core retirement design can help you level out some of that risk in your current portfolio. Give us a call at 863-382-0037 to schedule your core retirement design. Have a great day. I look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow. Bye now.